Welcome to the Mind State Marketing Hour, the podcast for business owners like you who want to learn about behavioral science and how it can transform your marketing and drive more business. This unique concept comes from Will Leach, author of Marketing to Mind States, and co-host Steve Brown, the author of The Golden Toilet. Every week, they bring you the latest in behavioral science-based marketing to uncover practical, real-world methods to designing marketing that compels your customer to listen, care, and act. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the Mind State Marketing Hour podcast. With that, let's get into this week's show. And we're live. It's the Mind State Marketing Hour. Let me run this intro again. You know, we're just two guys trying to figure this stuff out, Will. You're muted, by the way, too. So it's the Mind State Marketing Hour starring Will Leach. I'm Steve Brown, your host. And today we're going to talk about psychologically how sharing food psychologically brings teams together. We're streaming live on LinkedIn, Facebook, if they still call it that, Twitter, YouTube, worldwide welcome what's up will um we've had a fun morning uh actually we've had a fun three minutes just before we got online man all these things were going technically wrong but um i think we're in a good place we're in a good place man i am excited i am out the door after today i'm taking a cruise i'm going to the bahamas everybody you're going to the bahamas and you don't even have a bahama shirt on what what, what what's up You got to buy the Bahamas shirt in the Bahamas. I'm not one of those guys that goes out and has a mail to me, nothing else, man. But I will come back with my Bahama gear. I may get one of those braids, you know, like when they do the braids, those are really nice. I'm looking forward to some of that. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm just doing my thing, man. Ready to call it a season and get ready for December. How about you, my friend? Same, same. Looking forward to uh, spending time with the family here coming next week. You know, it's um, one of my uh, favorite times to sit down, cook, hang out, watch yeah. a little football, just catch up with folks. And and it's kind of funny. Guess what the topic today is? How sharing food psychologically brings teams together. And that's in play with your family as well. Why, why did you want to talk about this? Well, it is. Uh, I think it's perfectly aligned with Thanksgiving coming up next week, and I have my own family here, so we are bringing the extended family on this uh, on this cruise. And it dawned on me that we're going to be not only having Thanksgiving together as a family uh, for the first time, you know, in two years probably, but we're going to be sharing Thanksgiving dinner with I don't know tables and tables and tables of other people on that cruise. So it was just kind of cool thinking about food. Um, you know, I used to work at PepsiCo. We did a lot of food research, as you can imagine. And it dawned on me, man, we should probably talk a little bit about food and sharing of meals and what that kind of, you know, what that can do for you um, and psychologically why it kind of makes and brings people together. So I think we do that. Talk about a couple of traditions. I want to hear some of your family traditions. I'm going to tell you some of my family traditions just so we can get ready for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So, you know, one of the things that I've always done is I love to get like lunch brought in. We hang out. We work together. I eat some lunch together or we go we go have a, a drink maybe after work, just a little team bonding. What's going on there? Why does that seem like the right thing to do? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's kind of, kind of because food brings people together and uh, food is happiness. Food has so many great uh, connotations and associations with it, mostly positive, by the way. That That is the reason why we do so much. I mean, you think about religious ceremonies, oftentimes revolve around food. You think about uh, cultural ceremonies, whether it's bar, mitf- bar mitzvahs or if it's kind of the 
uh, quinceaneros or it's just regular birthday parties or whatever. Almost all things, even first dates revolve around food. So there's a lot of good associations with food. Um, and it's not necessarily the quality of food. It's because we are sharing something that is universal to all of us. In fact, you know, it is the universal language of uh, care and nurturance. So I looked up this stat and it said that cultural anthropologists estimate that there are 7,000 languages in the, uh, uh, on earth and therefore at least 7,000 cultures. So I think that's really low because if you just come to Texas, you know, we have like at least nine different cultures in the state of Texas and we all speak the same language, kind of, you know what I mean? So we have so many cultures and I was, I was reading this work and I was saying that sharing of food is a universal gesture of hospitality and care. It's universally known as a way of bringing people together. Um, and just like I said, it's because it is integrated in so many cultural and religious and group-based activities, you know, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, weddings, funerals, everything revolves around food, first, first dates. So yeah, it was just kind of like this idea that, you know what, when we want to feel nurtured or want to provide nurturance, oftentimes it's through the use of food. You know, some of the, my favorite shows that I like to watch on YouTube or, you know, on Netflix or whatever are shows where people go around, they meet folks, they cook food together, then they yeah. sit down and eat it. And you kind of learn about that kind of food, but you hear the backstory of the family. Those are my favorite ones. I really enjoy those. Yeah, I, like I think I think it's because we all have really, for the most part, really pleasant memories around food. I think I think you're right. And it's also gives you a chance to learn about others uh, uh, cultures. Right. Um, you know, I, I actually have uh, my uncle, my uncle, John, he owns a tire, uh, series of tire stores up in Syracuse, New York. And for his employees, this became a huge tradition for, I think decades, but they used to do trash can Turkey. You ever heard of this concept, Steve? No. Yeah. So I don't know it very well either, but I remember he posts about it all the time. So he basically, all the employees from like, I think there's three tire storms. They all get together to one store. And what you do is you um, get your turkey all set up. Now all the employees who bring over their food, you know, the, like the, the sides, the, you know, the, the, uh, the potatoes and the gravy and the stuffing. But he basically, you take a turkey and you, you, you set up a fire on the ground, by the way, just like, a, just like you would a campfire. You get that fire going and then you kind of put something above it. I think it looks like a tray above that fire to lift the turkey. You set the turkey on it and then you put a trash can on top of the fire and it acts like an outdoor oven. So you can have like, you know, 20, 30, 40 employees and your turkey is cooking inside of this trash can. They call it trash can turkey. Um, and I'm sure I'm underplaying all that goes into it, but it's one of those disposable trash cans, you know, those metal ones that keep all the, not the plastic ones. Don't do the plastic ones. Do the metal ones that aren't going to melt on you, right? That's what was came to my mind. First. <laughs> this guy's, this guy called the EPA on this guy. What's this guy yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. But he did this for years. I remember his employees love it, man. It's just like this big tradition where everybody brings their own dish, their unique side, and then he does the trash can. It gets them out there really early in the morning. And, you know, it's just something really cool, like I said, that brings people uh, together. And if you're in the behavioral design space, I, you know, I like to always bring this back to marketing. Though today, I think it's a little bit more about bringing your, your teams together and your, your staff together. But if you're in the behavioral design space and let's say you are, you know, you have customers that are driven by nurturance. One of the most important things you can do visually in your advertising is to show people sharing meals. 
And if you can show them sharing the same dish or bowl, like spooning things out of the same bowl, that e that evokes stronger emotions um, around nurturance and care. And like, and that's only the only thing better than doing that is to show people touching each other's face. I think I've talked about that in other shows. So my point being is that if you have a product or a service that's related to nurturance or care or love, anything like that, sharing of food is something you should be putting into your design toolkit left and right because it is universally known as a sign of love. Wow, there's so many, you know, I'm thinking of all the cultures that sit on the ground, you know, and they have that big round yeah. plate of food with rice and meat and they're just all dipping in there together. Yeah. And how bonding, how, how, um, it's just, I've been to Shabbat's, you know, and it's like yeah. this, all this food is around and, and you just have this, this, this thing that bonds everybody on a regular basis, it's powerful. It really is. It really is. And if you can pull something off similar to that in your own office, imagine the bonds that you're making, the memories you're making, how employees feel appreciated. They, they know that you care because you were giving something from that you made with your own hands uh, oftentimes, or if it's not from your own hands, it feels like there's still something special. When somebody serves you food, it's a sign that they are special and recognized. So absolutely should be putting in, you know, to your office routine every so often sharing a food. Now I don't mean just buying pizzas and they're in the office, you know, workspace. That's great. That's awesome. But it's actually sitting down together as an organization, as a team and sharing the food. It's really important. You know, I've noticed this too. You, you notice these things, you just experience them. But when you think about it, when you're eating together, you do, you're more open, you're more transparent, you're more share more stories you are I, and i think it becomes i think there's a couple reasons for that why people are more open i believe anyways is that especially with comfort foods um if you're eating something like, let's say if somebody you know has a comfort food like for me it's certainly uh some of the things i grew up on was mac and cheese that's a classic one in the south macaroni and cheese or maybe potato salad things like that so if somebody serves you that, it's not that just that food itself makes you kind of more open, but it's the memories you associate with that food from the past. So when somebody serves me macaroni and cheese, I have fond memories of my grandmother, you know, making macaroni and cheese and my mom making potato and macaroni salad. And so those associations, those, you know, those great moments flood my mind. They evoke emotional response. And all of a sudden I become more open because we're all friends. You're evoking, you're creating a relationship using the food because I have a relationship with that food with people that I love. Also, you know, if I think about um, the idea of cooking or preparing foods together, that's even, even better. So when you work together with somebody, so let's say if you know, you're know you gonna bring people together and we're all gonna like make make something together, like chili or we're gonna build a salad, even something as small as building a salad. Hey, you get the, you get the tomatoes, I'll get the lettuce or whatever. The, the, the sheer act of working with somebody in unison to build onto something bigger than themselves, like well, tomatoes plus lettuce equal a salad, that actually creates greater bonds. And with that bonding comes more transparency. People are more likely to open up about their feelings, good and bad. And of course, that's great, important. Uh, it's a really important thing for you to do if you are, um, you know, if you're trying to build, you know, greater, greater, greater bonds. Um, so co-making co things is also really cool. If you can establish something where you co-make things, um, just where people are preparing something together makes, makes people feel like they belong and therefore open up. 
Yeah, I, I was just nothing more fun to me is like getting together and you know popping a bottle of wine open and then mm -hmm. making a dinner while you're instead of the, them sitting and waiting for the meal to be served everybody's like pitching in and talking it's yep. just it's just the right thing to do you know i noticed also um like with realtors you go into those open houses they'll have some cookies baking Mm -hmm. I, I, that was just hitting me that you walk in and you smell that smell. That's because people associate cookies with fond memories, right? Young memories, especially chocolate chip cookies, like specific cookies actually even evoke a higher emotional response. So that's absolutely deliberate. The same thing happens in grocery stores with the bread. Have you ever noticed that when you go into a grocery store and they're baking bread at like 8 a.m. or 730 in the morning and you're going, why would you bake bread that early? Because it's very easy to bake a loaf of bread and who buys a loaf of bread at 7 a.m.? They're not buying it to be sold. They're buying it to create smells in the deli so that somebody going in there for bagels or for something totally different, they they, they feel happier. They, it feels homey. It feels warm. And so I, if I feel homey and warm, I'm more likely to buy things that I wasn't uh, naturally going to buy. There's a reason behind this stuff that grocery stores do a lot of research on this stuff. I help them do it. So what are the, um, what are some of the Thanksgiving memories around food? Yeah, you know, so I, I was just, you know, I thought about this. Day. I was like, you know, what I'd like to do. I want to just talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and memories. And, you know, for you guys, it's really important uh, this holiday. I know it's about football. I get it. I also know it's about family turkeys and stuff like that. But I just wanted to think about like the, the memories and how thankful I am for the memories I have. And I'm thankful for the memories, you know, you and I are sharing today, uh, Steve, as well. And, and hopefully our future memories. So I have... My uh, my one of my fondest memories is. Did you guys ever play the turkey bowl? Did you ever do turkey bowl? I don't know if that's a if that's a Texas thing or not. I don't All think right. so. All right. So the turkey bowl was this. I don't know if you guys ever did this out there, but turkey bowl was that on Thanksgiving morning you wake up, and, and this is when I was in high school, right? So it's long, long time ago. And then what you do then is if you guys have ever seen the Sandlot, you know, the movie, the Sandlot, where basically the kids go out and every day they play baseball and then they're hoping that somebody will come up, you know, and the other, another team will show up and then they can actually play another team as opposed to playing themselves. That's what the Turkey Bowl was. So what we would do is we'd get in a car and we'd drive to different fields and wish and hope that we would actually have another team out there so we could play football, tackle football. So for me, we would do that. We'd start off at 9 a.m. and we'd go around while my mom's cooking all the turkey dinner and we'd go around and I was a skinny guy. So I was one of the guys who got beat up pretty good in there. But you'd come back with cuts on your face and so dirty. And then I come home and it's right, you know, it's a half hour later than what my mom said we're going to be eating. And so they're waiting for me and I'm in a lot of trouble. But she goes, get it cleaned up because we have to, have to take, take the picture, right? So I'm all dirty and nasty and blood. Uh, but turkey bowl. Uh, was huge, huge growing up, man. Those are great, great fond memories. How about you? Yeah, you know, just reminded me of the times that I would go over to a friend's play place and have Thanksgiving, and that's kind of cool because you're with other families too, and you, you get to yeah. participate in their their rituals. And we would go out and play, you know, touch football, yeah, for 30, 45, 50 minutes, and just have a lot of fun, girls and boys right oh the touch football is a big one man I, I hear about that one all the time what i loved about what you just said too was bringing other people into your into your you know call or into that 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 thanksgiving dinner man I, it reminds me of um that three cups of tea you ever read that book or do you know do you know, do you know the idea between three cups of tea no. i think the book was done in like 2005 or something but basically it's a memoir 
but my brother served in Afghanistan and in that culture, they talk about three, three cups of tea. And you just reminded me of it, which I, I think again is revolves around food was that when you go into a home, uh, especially in that culture and you are served a cup of tea, the first cup of tea is like for strangers. The second cup of tea is for kind of a guest. Now you're considered a guest. And then if I serve you a third cup of tea, then you're considered family. And so I love this idea of those traditions like that, that you 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 kind of are establishing this relationship. And it's, it's, real, well, it's well known in that culture, right? So the whole point is if you got to a village or whatever, you want to the village elder, you'd want to, hopefully if he's gonna serve you some tea, you knew where you stood as you were getting more tea. You knew that you're becoming family. So it's, it, and he was helping build schools uh, out there. Uh, and so, you know, he was very well received a lot of the times from these, from these, um, these elders in these villages. So anyways, it reminded me of that. The, the cool part about Thanksgiving is when you can bring in other cultures. That's a really cool part. I can see where that third cup of tea, you're going to need to ask where the restroom is. You know, and so that's why you need to be considered. Family. Yeah. You don't let anybody use the bathroom. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should be getting out of here. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, what were some, what are your, some, some of your uh, family? Uh, what's that, what's that one like dish that, you know, is kind of unique for you guys that you bring, you know, or that's unique for you. Do you have like a unique Thanksgiving dish? Yeah, it's the sweet potatoes with um, the marshmallows and the sugar and the brown sugar. And it's just really, you know, um, and then my mom also makes this uh, buttermilk pie. Oh, wow. That yeah. sounds good. So we also have that. I love that. The whole, the, the whole, I thought we were, that was our family thing. I guess not, right? The marshmallows on top and they always get burned because we forget yeah. that they're in the oven. My mom does that every year when she's like, okay, I'm not going to let them burn. And then like, boom, they're on fire in the oven. So that's our family. That's not only just a, a, a dish. It's a family tradition is to have burned marshmallows on top of our, uh, on top of our, on top of our candy yams, I guess is what they are. I remember yep. ha having family Thanksgivings with all my, you know, my aunts and uncles and cousins and, and sitting on the front porch and eating and, you know, wrestling and just, just being kids, you know, running in and out, slamming the doors just having fun. Mm -hmm. Now, do you do your own turkeys or do you, uh, do you have a, uh, somebody else bring and do it for you? You do your own turkey? Yeah. So I love to do my own turkey. I like to brine them. So when, yeah, he, when we were talking about that trash can turkey, I was going, oh, maybe this guy's brining them in a trash can. Yeah. Right. But no, to turn it over and, and cook it that way, that's really cool. You got this unique way other than just, you know, frying a turkey or whatever. But yeah. I love to uh, brine them and then smoke them. Yeah, I did my first uh, smoked turkey when I got the big green egg about five years ago. I my first year ever trying it, I uh, I brined it and then I smoked and then what I did was I undercooked the turkey so badly <laughs> that the parent, so Melanie's parents, I was cooking for them. Which if you have to ever cook for your in laws' parents, that's that's the scariest thing ever. <laughs> and I um I undercooked it where there was still blood. There's still like that red, dark blood coming out of it. So then I slammed, I put the temperature up like 600 degrees thinking I would, I know, I know you're shaking your head. For those of you on the audio, you're, he's shaking his head. I didn't know anybody. I'm like, let me just rack up the heat as much as possible. We're just eating like a half hour. And it was like at 45 degrees or whatever. It was bad. And then um, I basically scorched the turkey, made it horribly tough. It, it was a bad, bad turkey. The great thing about Southern culture is even if you have the worst food, everyone always says, oh, it's so great. It's so whatever it is. Oh, it's such an interesting way you did the turkey, right? Yeah. So the next year I did it, 
and I I did it all by design, but then it said that my temperature gauge said that it was undercooked, even though I put it in there for hours and hours, 10 hours, a long time. And then I thought, I'm not making that mistake again. So I let it keep going and I let it keep going. And we're at 14 hours. The family had already eaten without the turkey. Like my, my sister-in-law brought turkey. And I was like, finally, it's done. And I was nervous. But I was like, I'm not going to let this thing underdone. And it was so overcooked. I pulled up the, the bone. The bones just like all the meat just like, fell off the turkey. It was terrible. My third year, I did it right. My third year, I did it right. But in my first two years, it was a nightmare, man. I'm, it was both times with her family, which made it so much worse, you know? Yeah, they're just going, why did she uh, hook up with this guy? What's, <laughs> what's wrong with her? That's so true. Man. It came a freaking out of Turkey. So that's your that's your go-to thing, huh? Yeah. So, you know, now because uh, they're a little bit smaller dinners, we just do a chicken instead of a turkey. And it makes it easy uh -huh. and they're easier to cook. They're delicious anyway. Yeah. But with all the fixings, everything's good. I love yeah. the gravy. The gravy is one of my favorite parts. Mm -hmm. too. What I love about this conversation is, man, when you and I are connecting at a deeper level based upon my floundering of uh, smoked turkey. And look at this, man. This is what you want to do with your teams, guys. Bring your teams yeah. together. You know, I, I was going to say the last thing was, you know, try to do a potluck. If you want to bring your team, it, just do it. Go do your go do your beer can or, you know, your, your, your beer can turkey or whatever, your trash can turkey, whatever. But have people bring their cultural stuff. Like have them bring their favorite dish. It's the coolest thing. Um, when people bring stuff that they grew up on because they get to share their memories with staff, right? So if you can encourage that, go do it, man, for sure. Um, one time we did something similar at my very first job and I was a little bit sad. So just be careful. So it was a chili cook-off and I'd never made chili before, but I just gotten back from a trip from to Cincinnati. Now, have you ever had Skyline Chili? You know what Skyline Chili is, Steve? Okay. Mm -hmm. So in Cincinnati, there's this, um, and maybe it's maybe in Northern Kentucky and Ohio, other places in Ohio, but there's this company called Skyline. It's a restaurant. And basically what they do is they do spaghetti. Then they put chili on top of it. Mm -hmm. And then they put, you know, you have different fixings. You know, you put uh, cheese, tons of cheese all over the chili. And then they may do some onions. And they have hot dogs like that too. So Skyline is a staple. It's, a, it's something that's huge up there. But the chili is really watery. It's very watery. It's not, I don't know. I didn't grow up on chili like that. My, our chili was very meaty um, and thick and hearty. Theirs is very soupy almost. And so, and it has like a, um, the best way to describe it, if anyone's out there from Ohio, they're going to be upset about this, but I describe it has a lot of cinnamon in it. It tastes a lot of cinnamon, but whatever. So I was in, I was over there in Cincinnati. I grabbed a couple of these cans because you can buy them in the grocery stores and I put it together and we're in Florida is where we had this chili cook-off thing. And I was standing next to my senior vice president, and she was supposed to be the judge. And we're all kind of tasting all the chili, but she was going to be the judge. And she goes, oh, gosh, because somebody has to judge or eat this one because this, this poor chili is the worst. And it was my chili. I was right next to her when she said, I just acted like it wasn't mine because it was all supposed to be blinded. I go, yeah, you know, I felt so bad. So if you're out there, don't judge anybody's food. It's their culture. It's their thing. <laughs> just love it. Eat it all. Even if you hate it, say great things. Be Southern. That's how the Southern people do it. No matter what you've done, generally they're going to say that they like it. All right. Well, everybody's um, gearing up for holiday week next week. Um, I think it's awesome. Spend time with your family, your friends, yeah. go on a cruise to the Bahamas. <clears throat> Jealous. So 
You get to have uh, marshmallow candy yam, so let's you know they're pretty even to be honest. With you, I have a feeling that the boat is not going to give me candy yams with burnt marshmallow. So I think you know it's a nice it's a nice balance, fifty fifty for sure. It'll be some nice lobster stuff, but you'll eat and go, oh, this is nice, but I miss I miss that. So when I have in my steak, I'm, I'm thinking of Steve right now. When I have my lobster and dipping it in butter, I'm like, hey Steve, this is for you, man. I'll yeah. I'll hold the lobster tail up for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, the good thing we're not playing sandlot basketball. Or, yeah, or, or football. All right. So here, here we go. I'm going to run this outro. Everybody have a great holidays. Yeah. Uh, Mind State, the Mind State Marketing Hour. We'll see you back at the same time here. We got two weeks. Yep, in two weeks. So, all right. Here we go. You ready to go, Will? You ready? Ready. Let's see it. Here we go. So we're now a podcast. Be sure to subscribe and listen on all of your favorite platforms. You love to listen to podcasts, Stitcher, all those. And then be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch more Mind State Marketing Hours that you missed. Share with your friends. Be sure to like and let us know. And we'll see you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanks again for listening to the Fine State Marketing Hour podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you stay up to date with each episode. And please share this podcast with others who could benefit from hearing Will's insights on all things marketing. Each episode has supporting information in the book, Marketing to Mind States. And for more information, visit us at mindstategroup.com.